Day six of Fizz in Indy on this beautiful Monday afternoon. Gil Gross, Matt Bonaparte with you, and it is a good start to the week for Fizz Nation, for Cuse Nation, Orange Nation, whatever you, however you want to put it, uh, because Syracuse is going to the Sweet 16 once again. If you missed our last Fizz cast, it was essentially Bones and I reacting to the Orange's win over West Virginia in the second round. Um, so go back and check that out if you didn't listen. But today, we want to kind of zoom out and talk about why this keeps happening. You know, why, is, why does Jim Beheim own March, Bones? That's the question here, no? I mean, it absolutely is the question. That's the, what everybody's wondering right about now. I think a lot of the country is also wondering, who's Buddy Beheim and where did he come from? Yes. But we're going to talk about his father mostly because I think the, the calendar goes January, February, Bayheim, <laughs> April, right? That's how the calendar works. No, I, I believe so. Yes. All this, all this to, to basically to say that it's now the third time in the last decade that, or since 2016, I should say, is even more impressive that Syracuse is in the Sweet 16 as a double-digit seed. Of course, the 2016 was a 10 seed that went to the Final Four. Uh, 2018, and an 11 seed, again, in the Sweet 16, and even gave Duke really a run for its money in that Sweet 16 game. So nearly advanced to the Elite Eight. But uh, our, uh, our fearless leader, Damon Amendolara, posted on orangefizz.net, uh, his four theories on why Syracuse keeps dancing after subpar regular seasons. So it really has been since 2014. Um, 2014 was really the last great Syracuse regular season where the Orange weren't on the bubble and it was obviously smooth sailing with the 25-0 the and 0 start and all that. Uh, the year prior was another Final Four year. I'll just throw that out there. But ever since then, it's been the Orange are about advancing in the tournament and surpassing expectations in the tournament. So, so we have four theories, and let's go, let's go one by one. The, the first theory is obviously the 2-3 zone. Yeah, uh, and I think that – I don't know about you, but I definitely agree with this one and that the zone it plays a huge factor in March, uh, and we've talked about this plenty on our – uh, numerous fizz casts is that teams that don't see the zone all year end up struggling when they have to play it in March because they don't see a zone all year. And when you face the best zone in the country, you're going to struggle. And that's what we saw uh, San Diego state deal with. And that's what we saw West Virginia deal with last night. They were throwing the ball out of bounds. They were seeing ghosts out there. It was because of the zone. Yeah. It's, it's, I think it's mental for a lot of these teams. Like everyone kind of knows it's almost like the, the spooky, orange zone the the Bayheim zone it carries a certain intimidation factor do you think that's true I think so I think uh, it's a daunting thing to have to face I think it's a scary thing I also think that Bob Huggins is is right before the game he basically said the reason Syracuse's 2-3 zone is difficult is because there's multiple versions of it and it adjusts and I think that that can really get to teams I think that's what that's what really downed San Diego State is they came into the game clearly with the plan that actually was working, and then the zone just transformed itself, and the forwards 
got up higher and Syracuse was just playing it completely different. And after that, they were like, oh, wait, what? Why isn't what we were doing working anymore and what is going on? So I think that's another thing that happens is teams come in with kind of a, this is how we beat the zone in this kind of broad stroke kind of game planning. And when plan A fails, there's a panic I think that's what happens. I think there's a panic when you come in with some idea of how to beat the zone and it doesn't work. Yeah, I think that you're absolutely right in that it is a, it is a defense that adapts throughout the game. When it doesn't work, Beheim calls a timeout and says, okay, this is what we're going to do. Uh, and it changes. And we see that often when they pull the forwards up uh, and that often changes. And that's what we saw against San Diego State. And that's, I think, why – it was so effective in the second half and at the, the second half of the first half um, because Syracuse adapted. And I think you're right when they, they think they have the game plan, those other teams, and then they find out they don't. I think there is a panic because it's now like, okay, we're kind of screwed here. What are we going to do? And then they lose. I have one more example of this, and that's in the West Virginia game. Basically, Beheim said, okay, we're not going to come out on Derek Culver at the free throw line. Clearly the plan was to give the ball to Culver in the free throw line area. And it was, okay, you're going to drive by Marek Dolezal. Like this is the plan and it's going to work because there's no way that Dolezal is going to be able to guard you on a, on a dribble drive from the high post. And Jim ended up saying, don't come up on him, give him the free throw line jump shot and when he drives, just get in front of him and draw the charge. We did that twice. We saw that. Mm-hmm. And we found out later in the game that Bob Huggins didn't put Culver back in. There, was, there wasn't an injury. It was just he was ineffective. I mean, you got to give Jim Beheim credit. That was really, really smart. Yeah. Um, okay, so 2-3 zone, we both agree that that's a major factor. And, and by the way, uh, Buddy Beheim, Jim Beheim, they agree with that. So, you know, it's not just punditry. It's from the inside. They also think that the 2-3 zone is an, is an advantage once you get to the tournament and you're not playing ACC teams. And then, you know, sometimes, I guess if you go back to 2018, well, who did the Orange lose to? Duke, you know, a team that isn't going to really be intimidated by the 2-3 zone. All right, let's go to the next point in this piece, which is the regular season is not taken as seriously as it could. Uh, you know, the, the theory is maybe after, after 40 years for Jim Beheim, you know, is he firing up the troops enough for a January game against Miami? That's the example here from, from um, our leader DA. Uh, perhaps the, the players are sensing a more low key approach. And then, you know, maybe the team just, isn't quite as desperate as they need to be in the regular season. I don't think that it's, I don't think not taken seriously is the good way to put it. I think maybe they get tired out and they might burn out and there might be games in which they can't put together. They can't put forward the full energy they might want to, but it's not because it's not taken seriously. I mean, these guys are playing division one basketball in the ACC. I mean, it's a major conference and they're playing against the best talent at this level. Um, So I don't think there's any, room for this game not to be taken seriously and so I don't think that this is the case and I think we we've seen Syracuse have some bad games this year where it may have looked like they're not taking it seriously or they're not putting the best effort forward that they can Uh, but I think that just comes down to it's the middle of January and you just finished an entire slate 
you didn't get a break. So these guys are getting, yeah. they, they get tired. And, you know, you heard from Buddy Beheim after both games about how the, he agrees that they stunk at some point in the season. And they, they, if they stunk and got this good, there's no way to say that they didn't care. I think as a whole, uh, the effort has been pretty good for Syracuse teams recently. And by the way, like effort is just a big deal on the defensive end. So I know some people roll their eyes and, and I get that tendency when you talk about effort, because in reality, everyone's really trying their best, but there's just an extra level that the defensive end, especially requires Cause everyone, everyone tries on offense. There's not a player in the history of basketball who doesn't try on offense, but when it comes to rebounding, what, what's that? You said Tony Allen, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> maybe Dennis Rodman. Right. Dennis Rodman would mail it in on offense. But other than <laughs> that, everyone tries on offense, but it's, it's on the defensive end. And when it comes to rebounding and loose balls where, where effort is important, I generally think that Syracuse has played with intensity, you know, especially the, the 2018 team, for example. That's a high-effort, gritty team um, that I think – was a, a hardworking team, but I think you made a great point in there. Jim Beheim plays his guys crazy minutes. And maybe that's, a, you know, maybe that's really kind of difficult in the regular season for these guys to just, you know, maybe they're feeling banged up and it's hard for them to really have their best physically in these regular seasons. I think that's a pretty good point. I mean, don't you think that if you're a Florida state player, for example, and Leonard Hamilton is rotating 10 guys and you only have 20 minutes to make it count, maybe you are playing with better focus and better energy. Yeah. I think that, uh, I think that, yeah, I mean, they get tired over time and these guys end up getting worn out. And then we saw that with Dolajai, especially he, uh, he couldn't play in the middle for five straight games playing 40 minutes a game, and he starts to struggle. I mean, that's just how the game works. Yeah. All right, let's get to this next one. This one's interesting. It's maybe the ACC is just that good. Because it stands to reason if Syracuse is finishing, let's say, 9-7 and seven or 10-10 and 10 in the ACC in a – in an average year, but then going to the tournament and, and making these deep runs, maybe it's just, well, the ACC is monstrous and maybe the orange can't have as much success as, as we'd like in, in the conference. But then once you get out of conference, the orange is having success. Now I, there are plenty of counter arguments. You could poke holes in that, but l- let me give you the floor here. What do you think of the theory that Syracuse's tournament success just goes to show you how good the ACC is? I mean, I think the ACC is an incredibly competitive league, but it is not too good so that the Orange could not play games this year. I think the only reason that you, the only thing you could point to in saying that the ACC plays better against Syracuse than other teams do is they know how to play the zone a little bit better, but they're not too good. I mean, the ACC is usually a lot better than it was this year. There were a lot of good teams in the ACC this season, but there was not a great team. They didn't have the Duke they usually have or the UNC they usually have. The best team they had were, was FSU, who is not a bad team at all, but Virginia Tech, who Syracuse beat. Uh, but it wasn't a great league. It, it was a solid league with a lot of good competition. But it, but Syracuse didn't falter midseason because the ACC was too good. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, it, this is especially a tough argument to make this year because at this point, Syracuse and FSU are carrying the banner for the ACC. 
in the second round. So uh, the Big Ten and the ACC have just gotten torched in this tournament. Um, and uh, overall, I, I just – look, the, the ACC, I do believe on a year-to-year basis, it's been the best basketball conference. With that being said, they're not – it's not like – it's not like every team, if every ACC team just had outstanding tournament success on a yearly basis and that was, was quantifiable, then it would be, uh, there would be an argument to make. But I think it, like you said, it speaks more to the uniqueness of Syracuse. You can look at a team like, like Florida State. Yeah, they've been consistent in the tournament, but they haven't had that breakthrough yet. And they haven't made, Leonard Hamilton hasn't made a Final Four uh, you look at um, UNC and Duke, and yeah, they've been good in the tournament, but they're blue bloods. There aren't a lot of teams in the middle of the ACC like Syracuse often is that you think of in the same light as Syracuse as teams that just always make runs, unless I'm forgetting someone. No, I think you're entirely correct. Syracuse is one in, one in a, uh, one of a kind in that they don't usually have that great regular season, but when it gets to March, they turn it on, and I don't think anybody else has a similar identity to that, and that, that makes the ACC not a very good conference. So, I mean, like you said, it shows that there's only two ACC teams left in the NCAA tournament that they didn't have the greatest year. All right, this next one, the fourth and final theory, is turnover, player turnover, inconsistent lineups. And that's kind of a come, come more and more with the one-and-done era, players leaving earlier for the pros. And the Orange in, in recent, recent history, it hasn't been much of a one-and-done thing, but it's been a two-and-done, three-and-done. Players like Tyus Battle and Elijah Hughes and O'Shea Brissett, uh, Tyler Lydon, these are players who have left early to Malachi go to the N- Malachi Richardson, right. Um, these are players who have gone to the NBA early. Um, even like uh, Chris McCullough is another one who barely played for Syracuse. Um, but if... Do you think that perhaps because of the turnover, it just takes longer for these Syracuse teams to gel? Clearly this year, this team has just come together at the end. Well, I, I think there is some truth to that just because uh, something that we as media members always point to early in the season when it's a, a newer player is, oh, he's still taking time to, to learn the zone. That's always a, the classic fallback answer when – uh, a, a transfer or a, or a freshman is having a troublesome time on defense and it's December. Oh, he's still learning the zone. They have mm-hmm. Alan Griffin this year, Kadari Richmond, uh, even Frank Anselm when he got two minutes against some team, you know, always he's just, he's learning the zone. So um, I think there is a little bit of truth to that. Uh, and of course, also because Barama Sidibe got hurt in the first six minutes of the first game this season. I think there was some of that, this season as well, because I don't think teams ex- or I don't think Syracuse expected not to have to play without him. And don't forget that Kadari Richmond had to start a couple of games because Buddy Beheim was out. So mm-hmm. I think there is some truth to that. I don't know if I would chalk it entirely up to that, but I think that it, there is some truth in there. Yeah, I, I want to say that Syracuse hasn't had much more turnover than than a lot of other programs, and that's what makes me hesitate. But the, the zone defense is the thing you got to point to because you're absolutely right. Like, this is a harder defense to learn because people don't come out of high school playing two, three zones. You know, they, they come out of high school generally playing man. And 
Virginia can get someone who played the pack line defense in high school. And, you know, you might go to a pressure man-on-man defense. You might play a pressure man-to-man uh, in high school. And then you go to NC State when Kevin Keats is playing a pressure man-to-man. So certainly it's a more complicated defense and it takes longer. Alan Griffin still doesn't know what he's doing, right? <laughs> it's true. He doesn't. <laughs> so so that, that's a good point. Uh, that goes kind of back to the 2-3. But I, I think in general – I don't think the Orange have really had that much turnover. And if you look at, like, the, the 2019 team, they returned the same starting lineup. It was, it was the same five. And yeah. they, they got bounced in the first round because players didn't get any better. You know, Frank Howard and Tyus Battle, they stagnated. So there have been some years where Syracuse hasn't had any turnover, and it really hasn't made much of a difference. This year, though... There were some new pieces, but I would say it's actually the old pieces that are that are making a difference here, like Robert Braswell. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, it's, <clears throat> you know, everybody's got to play their part in this team, and I, I think that Syracuse, just like every other team in the nation, takes time to build up chemistry and, and work towards gelling as a unit, and the zone does that does make that a little bit more difficult. All right, so let's rank these one through four. J- just, just to recap, um, we have the 2-3 zone as reason number one. We have the regular season not being a, as much of a priority as reason number two. We have the ACC as too good of a league as number three. And then we have the inconsistent lineup as number four. You want to take a shot at, at power ranking these as the reasons why Syracuse keeps making these unexpected runs in March sure. Madness. Sure, I'll, I'll go the zone confusing teams as one because I think that's the most true of any of these. Uh, I'll take the inconsistent lineup as number two because I think that there is also some truth to that. But in the last two, I don't think there's a whole lot of truth to. Uh, I'll take the ACC being too good as number three because I do think it's a very competitive league. And then I'll take the regular season not taken seriously as my last one. So okay. zone, lineup, ACC, regular season. All right. I, you know, I, I'm, I think we're thinking pretty similarly, but I, I will change it up on you. Okay. Two, three zone is number one. I, I don't think that there's much room to, to argue with that if we're being completely honest, but I'll put ACC as too good a league. I'll go ahead and I'll put that at number two because okay. first of all, you know, we saw Syracuse getting comfortably into the tournament for as long as they were in the big East pretty much. And then you look at a team like, you look at certain teams in other conferences that have an easier time getting into the tournament perennially because they have a a clear leg up on the conference. I really do think it's hard to play in the ACC when you're Syracuse, you're having to deal with, with some of these blue bloods. Um, so, So I do think that is difficult for them. Then I'll put the inconsistent lineup as number three, and then I'll put the regular season not being a priority as reason number four. All right, Bones, this has been fun um, recapping the reasons why we're still in Indy and we're not leaving. Fizz and Indy, day number six in the books. Catch us for tomorrow, day number seven. We will see you then.